Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. I'm Cassie Robel, the Director of Education and Community Engagement. And I'm Kathleen Trott, the Shop Manager for the Marlou Allen and Scott Stallard Costume Artisan Workshop. Thank you all for joining us today. In this podcast series, we're going to introduce you to all the departments and people that are necessary to produce the operas that you enjoy. In our last episode, we announced that we would be joined by Prop Supervisor Elena Maniscalco. She will actually be appearing in episode six of Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. And in this episode, we're joined by Alita Lopez, Arizona Opera's wigs and makeup manager. get to this episode, we wanted to give you the answer to the trivia question from episode four. The question was, the infamous mask from the movie Halloween was actually a famous person's face. Whose was it? And the answer is William Shatner. We are joined today by Alita Lopez, the Arizona Opera wigs and makeup manager. Welcome, Alita. Hi. Thanks for being here with us today. No problem. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So I know what you do because we work really closely, the costume department and the wig and makeup department. Correct. Um, but for our listeners, can you tell me sort of in general, what exactly does a wig and makeup manager do? Sure. Um, primarily, I work with the directors and designers if there's designers on the show to come up with a look for each character um that includes hair color and hairstyles and makeup looks as well um so we do that for all of our principal singers and then our chorus as well and often i um am the designer for our company's wigs so then uh just so you know everybody who's listening knows because they might not realize this you most of the time are not styling the actual performer's hair right correct wigs on almost everyone who's on stage yes so very rarely do we use somebody's own hair and that primarily is because styling somebody's hair prior to a show would take upwards of half an hour depending on the um type of style it is it could take longer uh so to have a pre-styled wig shortens that time to about you know 10 to 15 minutes of prepping their hair and then putting the actual wig on them and we also you know wigs tend to have quite a bit of hair in them so that you can style them into period hairstyles a lot simpler than you can with uh, humans natural hair so when you introduced what a wig and makeup manager is you mentioned that you work with the designer so uh-huh. you, are you so you're communicating with the designer and they're saying you know I want this person's hair to look like it's from the 1950s with this style is it that in depth and you take that or are you more creating so and that's that is the difference between working with the director and working with the designer so not all shows that we produce here at Arizona Opera is there a designer involved in my level 
um, often it's just I am the designer for the wigs and the makeup looks, and I'm not getting any input from another person as to how they should necessarily look other than the director's kind of general vision for the show. So that And that typically falls under um, time period of the show, what the costume package is, what, you know, is it realism? Is it fantasy? What, you know, what, what those parameters are. Um, when I'm working with a designer specifically who's coming in and designing costumes and the set and, you know, the whole thing sometimes, then it's a little bit more detailed, I think, because they have typically have spent more time on each person's individual look than a director has. I think a director looks at a wider picture and a designer is a little bit more focused in on specific things that they want to see. Sure, that makes sense. Designers, yeah. yeah, designers often come in with a whole bunch of research themselves and then... Having been a designer here, I've had this conversation with Alita, so I'll come in with a whole bunch of like, so Don Pasquale is a really good example, the one that we did that set in the 1950s that has been rented out a whole bunch. I brought research to Alita, and Alita and I sat and we talked, and then that one has the extra complication of there's black and white makeup happening. So I was like, it should look like this person, and then she provided some extra research, so there's a little bit more back and forth. Right. Or the designer will go, I, I don't know, some sort of 1950s hairstyle that looks nice. Yeah. And so then Alita <laughs> can go, okay, these are the three choices that I think will look really well on her face. And then you kind of pick. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it is up to, you know, the, the designer's kind of interest level in hair and makeup also because some of them are like uh, I don't care I don't care just and do other it. people have a very specific look that they want per I character totally so. yeah I totally understand I, I do that myself with designing sets I'm like go for it I don't know <laughs> yeah. you know better than me yeah because like with Boem I was just like Alita do it yeah Alita knows Victorian hairstyles really well and I love Alita and trust her and so I was like she will make beautiful things but when it's a very specific Sure. So Riders of the Purple Sage, she and I had a whole conversation about braid, not braid, up, down. And in the dress rehearsal process, Alita is a saint because she often has to restyle wigs overnight because things change. Correct. And so she, in the morning, is taking curls out and rebraiding and pinning because we realize that it's not reading the way that we want on stage or the designer didn't know what they actually wanted or whatever. Yeah, so before we dive even deeper into, we just got a brief overview of what what you do. I also want to tell the listeners a little bit about you. You had said that you're, you know, behind behind the scenes a lot. People may not ever see you, but they see your work and... uh, every every show that we do so how long have you been working with Arizona Opera I started working with Arizona Opera in 2001 so coming up on 20 years I think that Alita and our stage manager Carrie are both the longest running do you know which one of you is I started before Carrie so Alita wins only by only by a few months though. but by months <laughs> Alita yeah. I think wins the longest person that's worked at Arizona Opera which is super super cool so which, I mean we have some chorus members oh yeah yes yeah correct there's as far as but like with continued work i think yeah Alita yeah. is 
And you don't live in Phoenix. I do not. I live in Tucson. Right. Yeah. For I'm sure most of you know, but Arizona Opera did originate in Tucson. Correct. Um, um, so you've been with us for 20 years. What sort of training do you have or do you need to do yeah, what you do? How did you end up here? Um, so I was an esthetician prior to coming to work for Arizona Opera. And uh, so I worked at a salon and I did a lot of... Um, event makeup right so weddings and proms stuff like that and then i did the occasional um makeup for like print work and for a couple of uh, music videos i did some makeup so i did a little bit of makeup um for a couple of years prior to coming to arizona opera and i had a friend who was working as a dresser for arizona opera and she was like you should come and talk to the wig and makeup person she always needs people so i was like okay so i ended up having a phone conversation with her and she was like can you come and meet me here's where i will be here's the time so i assumed i was just coming for like an interview with her right (laughs) right and i walked into the back of the tcc and she's like (laughs) here's all the makeup, here's the people you're doing, no. here's what you're doing, <laughs> I love it. and see you later. Try and by fire. Yeah, and I had, I mean, I had never done stage makeup, which is completely right. different than any other makeup that you see anywhere. Well, sure. I don't know. Nowadays, it's getting a little close, <laughs> <Yeah>. closer. <laughs> I agree. I was going to say, um, I don't know, nowadays, but yeah. But still, it's, it's, it's still quite different. So I had, yeah, I, I literally had no idea what I was doing. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I will just go ahead and, you know, that is awesome. my hardest. I actually love that. You kind of, and, and you never left. So clearly it went left. well. Yeah. Or if it didn't, you at least found I, And I was terrified for <laughs> right. sure. Like, and, and probably I was terrified for the first couple of years because sure. just because of the, the time constraints and the having to think of solutions like, it, within you know seconds you have to come up with a solution sometimes to a, a major problem so it's a, it was a little frightening at first and once I you know once I uh, had some experience got a little easier but so so basically I came in as a makeup artist and only worked shows and then Sarah who was our wig and makeup manager at the time she was like do you have any interest in learning how to do wigs and I was like sure of course you know so um, I kind of just worked with her in the shop for a couple of seasons being her like I'd make makeup kits I wasn't in permanent like I wasn't in on a full-time basis or even part-time basis I just kind of came in and and did a few things and then um then I was her assistant after that for quite a few years and then the company moved up here to Phoenix and I moved up here for a couple of years and due to family things, I had to move back to Tucson, so. But what's cool is that we have these employees that live in both places and do, and it's, which is great. I mean, I love it. And we, we still perform in Tucson. Everything we do in um, Phoenix, we basically do in Tucson. Um, we, which we is, try to. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Especially now in this digital age, it's, it's actually been really cool for me. I've been able to do a lot of stuff that includes both Phoenix and Tucson together. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, most of the really time cool. it's in one place and then the other place. And yeah, so Alita and a lot of her crew are also from Tucson. So Correct. they do a whole bunch of, so they'll travel up here and they'll be up here for over a week because they have to be here for the entire dress rehearsal process mm-hmm. and for the performances. And then we go down to Tucson and then they're in their home base. Or if we, when we were opening shows in Tucson. Right. They liked that. 
I have heard a funny story about Alita and her traveling with wigs. So apparently, you know, you have to you have to have a mannequin or at least a mannequin head to um, transport the wigs. So Alita told me a funny story about her travels with these wigs in her car that I hope that you will share. So I have a station wagon that the seats all fold down in and I have racks that are specifically made to fit into my car and hold multiple levels of wigs so I can transport them all from my studio in Tucson up here for the show. And sometimes I'm, you know, fitting 40 wigs in the back of my car. So from the outside of my car, they are on, they're not really mannequin heads, but they're, they're a cloth block head. So they're head shaped. They don't have any facial features, but they have a full head of hair that's styled. And with a glance, they probably look like people. So, uh, I mean, I get a lot of weird looks from passerbyers when I'm driving my car, but one time specifically I got pulled over because um, the police officer thought I had multiple people. Like 30 people. Far too many people that actually fit in a station wagon. Correct. (laughs) Sitting in the back of the car. That story cracks me up because I can just picture, you know, a station wagon is a big car, like lots of windows. And I can just picture like (laughs) 30 mannequin Uh heads in the back. And on a really quick glance, you would think that they're real humans. It's so funny because I've seen Alita's car full of wigs so many times and it doesn't even clock to me that it's funny looking because it's just normal right (laughs) it just makes me laugh it's like one of those things that you definitely see like when people transport very odd stuff and you're like wait a second mannequins in my car and so then there's like legs and arms and yeah that one is definitely yeah i've had that moment where i'm like if i get pulled over this is gonna be a weird conversation (laughs) yeah totally i mean i've had you know i had like the severed head from salome on my front seat of my car before because i had to take it home and work on it so what we just learned about what wigs and makeup, what you do, a lot of people probably don't realize, you know, what it is. Wigs and makeup to me is some one of those things similar to when we had Shelby on the show that you see it on stage and it's something that doesn't necessarily compute that like, oh, that's something that somebody Someone created, has to do it. Yeah. which Shelby actually said, she was like, well, that's a compliment to yeah. be told that like, you don't realize. And yeah. It kind of opened my eyes because I guess that makes sense if it looks that's, realistic. That's, that's the magic of stage, right? Is that we don't necessarily see all those details. We just assume that they're they're just there, right? right? And that's, I mean, that's exactly what our end goal is. I don't want you to know that it's a wig. Sometimes I can't avoid that. But right, <laughs> right, sure. But I, it shouldn't look like something that you're not used to seeing. Briefly said before how different stage makeup is from real life makeup um and if you could explain that a little bit i think that'd be really interesting and then tell us what the difference is between doing makeup and wigs for film and have you ever done that before and doing it for stage so stage versus film done a couple of things and i have uh that was part of my training initially Uh, So I do have some knowledge in film. I'm a little bit like I've been trying to like practice up in my spare time and and do stuff. Another thing that we have for that film is some special effects stuff that that we have to do, which I do plenty of at the opera. But the thing that is quite different 
obviously, in between stage and film is stage, you're seeing everything from, you know, 50 feet away or, or further. It actually has to be bigger, bulkier, more dramatic to be able to read for that distance. So right, when right. I put like, you know, a gash on somebody that's on their face or neck or wherever, it's typically, you know, has to be four to five inches long for you to even notice that they have something on them. So obviously in film, that is the exact opposite where you're seeing things up close and especially with, you know, the HD camera and stuff that they're using now. It's like you can, I mean, you can see it in TV. You can see people's pores now, right, which right. you could never see before. And I remember basically with film, you want them to look like they don't have any makeup on unless they're supposed to look like they have makeup on, right? So all the men that are in the show that are supposed to be dirty minors will probably have some makeup on them to make them appear dirty and sweaty and like they've been working all day long, but they will not have, you know, lovely eyelashes and right contoured cheeks and stuff like that right that <laughs> right. we do on stage yeah to make sure you can see them on stage so that's stage makeup is exactly you know like i said quite opposite and you're contouring the face because with lighting on stage it kind of flattens features out and you can't see that they have a nose or eyes or a mouth anymore so we Important. do contouring <laughs> to to bring facial features back out. What's always interesting to me is being able to be behind the scenes sometimes. Um, Stage makeup has always fascinated me because often when you see the person like face to face, Uh not on stage, they actually look a bit ridiculous. Oh yes, absolutely. And you kind of look at them like, what is on your face? But then you see them on stage and they look totally normal so it just right. it's a crazy skill that and weird illusion i mean i feel like this 50 foot rule is everyone uses a 50 foot rule yeah. in opera because it's just so such things change so much at such a distance right well and lighting too i mean oh, lighting yeah. changes things dramatically and can make also you know can do really weird things to makeup as well so do you have a favorite style of makeup or makeup and hair. Yeah, and or a or. favorite, like, makeup technique or something. Um, anytime I can, like, you know, put blood into a show. Yeah, Alisa That always loves, makes me very happy. When we're in production meetings, that's always a question that we ask is, is there any blood? And costumes is always like, please no, please no, <laughs> please Alita's no. Like, and Alita yes. is like, please yes, please yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so much fun to do. It is From fun. her perspective. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And... Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite shows were well. My very favorite show we did Sweeney Todd years and years ago. And I got to hide in the shoot, in between the, you know, where he the chair and the in between the chair and where they came out for Mrs. Lovett. Um, I was on stage in the set with like this black sheet around me, basically, and so they would slide down the slide and land on this platform, and I had like a ketchup bottle like a ketchup bottle squeeze Uh bottle full of blood and i just was back there for i don't even know how long and a good part a good part of the show just squirting blood all over people so when they come out the thing they're full of blood so i was just like yeah that if i could just do that for the rest of my life i'd be (laughs) be very happy i love that 
We are going to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a few exciting upcoming events at Arizona Opera. If you have enjoyed learning about Alita and her job here at Arizona Opera, she will be leading our next virtual masterclass, Intro to Beating, on February 26th. These masterclasses are hosted via Zoom and allow you the option of having a kit with all of your necessary supplies sent right to your door. In March, we will also be repeating our first two masterclasses, Intro to Fabric Painting with Resist and Intro to Two-Part Resin. To purchase tickets to any of these masterclasses, visit our website, azopera.org. Last month, Arizona Opera premiered its new series, Loud, Living Opera, Understanding Diversity. Our fourth and final episode of this season will premiere on Thursday, February 25th. In addition to Loud, a new episode of Unmiked will premiere on Tuesday, February 23rd. To watch these episodes, or to find more information, visit Arizona Opera's video channel, Arizona Opera On Demand. And finally, we are excited to announce the premiere of our new concert series, Arizona Arias, which will premiere on Sunday, March 14th on Arizona Opera On Demand. To learn more and never miss a moment, visit azopera.org to sign up for our email list and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can you talk me through a little bit about how you might make a wig? Yes. So that's something that most people don't see also is that whole side of things is is where our wigs come from and how they the progression that they go through before they actually go on a person's head so um there are multiple ways of achieving that obviously and typically here at arizona opera because of our our timing our time schedule for a show and the amount of people in a show uh I work from our stock primarily. So we have a, a, a very large stock of wigs that we've accumulated over the years. And so when people, I should say performers, when the performers come, they uh, come for a costume fitting and they come for a wig fitting. So when they come in my room, they get their hair all pinned down. And then depending on what color, what length, what kind of hairstyle I'm going to do. I will look through what we have in our stock and see if there's anything that fits them and that will be the right thing for the character. And if we do, then yay, we use that. Um, if we don't, then I will make them something. So that typically consists of a pre-made wig that we buy, and that can either be a synthetic wig or a human hair wig. Um, typically uh i like to use human hair on our uh principal singers because i can use hot tools on them and touch them up very easily however synthetic wigs hold styles a lot longer than human hair wigs so human hair uh is affected by body heat and humidity and all, we all know kind that. of things, yeah. all the right? things that affect our hair yeah. right yeah. affect oh, a human humidity. hair wig exactly so they can behave very differently depending on the person and if they're a sweaty person if they're so that also can kind of help me make the decision whether they get a human hair wig or a synthetic wig um so pre-made wig and then what we do is 
while they're getting their wig fitting, if we don't have anything, I will do um, a head tracing. So that is basically I get their hair as flat against their head as I possibly can. And I proceed to wrap saran wrap all over their head. And then I tape all the saran wrap down to their head. It's a very bizarre process. It looks it, so weird. It looks like the weird. lead is doing something really weird. Yeah. Now I want to do all. All I'm thinking of right now is doing a is video a- demonstration of oh, this. Yeah. Now. Totally yeah. So obviously we don't cover their, you know, face. It just goes over the head. <laughs> Although when we do a beard tracing, we oh, do no. co- cover Cut part, part of their face. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes so. Sense. And then we, we basically draw their hairline and I take several measurements. So then I take that plastic off their head and it has then become basically a mold of their head that then I put on to one of our block heads and I can usually find one that fits pretty well and then just pat it gently wherever their head is bigger than the block so that it makes a form of their head. And then we do a process called ventilating, which is, it's basically, um, it's a piece of lace. It's a very, very fine mesh. It's a honeycomb pattern mesh. Um, it's called lace, but it's, it's more of a mesh. Um, itty bitty, tiny, tiny little honeycomb like shapes. tool, kind of. Like smaller than, yeah. yeah. It, it, for but people is, who don't know, like it's gonna right. be that kind of Texture mesh. and mesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know how much smaller than tiny tool, holes. but very, very tiny. Yeah. Um, so this gets stretched over that head block with their head shape. And then we attach the back of, well, we attach the wig. So the wig sits probably where, right where your ears are, the top of your ears. So the ear, the wig actually fits back there. And then the whole front four inches is lace or is this lace that then you tie in mm, so mostly it's you know two to three hairs in the back and then you go up to one hair in the front so you're it's if anybody knows what latch hook is it's the same Mm -hmm. knot that you would use for like rug making so it's that loop where it comes through so it's that loop on a single hair individual <laughs> hair oh my god sometimes you're lucky that you can add more hairs than yeah. that but uh but yeah so it's that it's it's very very tedious how long does very it time consuming yeah. very time consuming i can't even imagine um so for what we do the front of the wig like what i said it's the the hair can go from depending on the hairline of the person so men typically have a deeper hairline so that means that we have to set the wig back even further which means that there's more ventilating so on a so on a wig that's for a man there's typically three to four inches of ventilating that has to be done in the front of the of the wig and on a woman's it can be once again depending on their hairline but it can be usually two inches two to three inches of ventilating so that can i mean it can be six to twelve hours and then can be even longer if you're tired right right, (laughs) sure so so it it takes quite the time to do that so um that's the process we do now you can build an entire wig so you're not using 
any kind of pre-made thing. You're building the whole foundation out of different types of lace and then ventilating hair into the whole wig cap. So it can, you know, you can you can make it as hard as you want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's why wigs are so, ex- like good wigs are so expensive Correct. to buy. Yeah. Because it, just, it the takes man time. hours involved yeah. are so intense. Yeah. Well, and, and hair, if you're using human hair, it's it's... It's not inexpensive, and the the building materials, that type of lace, is, is very expensive as well. So it's 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 a costly process for sure. See, I can't even. I, <laughs> it makes all the difference though, because yeah, sh- I'm sure we all know when you go to the Halloween store Yo, and you yeah. buy the wig and you put it on and it's got this crazy weird hard. Yep funky yep. edge right. and it looks funky on your head because it doesn't have any of that beautiful front work yeah. that alita and her crew do to make them look like it's actual hair on a that's growing out of that performer's head right right yeah it this is as someone who is you know i do education community engagement uh-huh. i i love these podcasts just because i i don't know this stuff it's, yeah it's <laughs> fun to learn this because i you you do you look on stage and you all these people have worked to create this human that you see and you just don't think about it. Yeah. You're watching the show. They're, they're just a human existing in clothes right. and they look great. And you're not like, oh, someone spent 40 hours getting their hair and makeup done. And right. this costume took three months to make. And yeah. you just don't think about that stuff. Well, it's, and, yeah. uh, and like Alita often has to do really sort of great things where the director whoever is like oh well we want their hair to come down in two seconds so then she has to put in pieces and pin and yeah yeah there's always the there's always you know a want for the wig to act like natural hair which it doesn't actually do the same <laughs> yep. way right and so yeah there's there's it's always can it do this and then go back up and then go you know instantly she's in a party dress and needs to have this crazy updo (laughs) after she's been in bed all day with her hair long and flowy and so there's all these things that we have to like do to make these a quick change for hair yeah that isn't possible (laughs) yes it's barely possible it happens often all the time they're doing them and like one character so, like, um, Violetta is a really good example. Uh-huh. That Violetta often has at least three wigs yes. in that show. And then on top of it, we double cast that stuff. Oh, and yeah. they can't have the same wig. So that means that that's six wigs for right. one character. Dang. That Alita and her crew. So backstage, there's just heads with wigs. And then at the end of the show, they have to... They sit there and they clean because if they have to use spirit gum right. to make the lace stick down, they have to clean all of that off of the wigs so that way they're nice and they reblock them. And there's a ton of like yeah. beautiful fussy work that happens in order to I make think it look. that I'm typically the first person in, in yeah. the building Last in the daytime yeah. because I have to come in and clean up wigs for hours and reset wigs and change the style style sometimes and and you know get entirely new wigs because something didn't fit on somebody properly once we got there like there's lots of things that happen when you're styling a wig on a on a blocked head 
it may look lovely on that head, but when you put it on the person, you realize that the bun is not where it should be. Now it's like coming out of the top of their head instead of the back of their head because it's just not just not proportioned the same or something wacky happens like that. So so often it's like, all right, we have to, you know, fix all these chorus wigs, we have to fix all these principal wigs. This person needs a completely new wig. Like so there's just things that, that go on during dress rehearsal that require a lot of extra work. Yeah. <laughs> Costumes gets the benefit often of we see them in their thing once to twice before we see them during dress rehearsal. So we're dealing with trim and closures and maybe some color, blah, blah. But like a lot of our chorus and stuff, Alita doesn't see them in that wig until that first time that they walk on stage in dress rehearsal. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's typically, uh, the principles are the same way. I get to try, I try them on them, but once I've styled it, I haven't, I haven't seen it on them in a styled fashion. And sometimes with wigs, when you style a wig, the way that the wig is constructed is it's very, um, it doesn't have like a rigid inside. It's, it's all very loose and has, it's made a lot with a lot of elastic and stuff like that to, to stretch over the head, obviously. But sometimes when you're styling, you can style it in a way where it kind of captures that interior stuff so then it no longer fits when you put it on them so you have to be mindful of that there's all this is just all this stuff that it's like ah geez (laughs) yeah you know well and then also inevitably poor alita costumes is like here's a hat that has to go on and off of that poor so then there's little bows that we put in and alita and her crew are trying to pin things in and then take them off and pin a new piece in and the head pieces yeah and that's fine they i mean all those things it's just part make of it, it but look yeah. lovely but they you know yeah it it's definitely wear and tear on the wig every night when you have a hat go on and hat come off yeah right. Right. and something else go on so they they get a lot of i mean they get a lot of fixing every night sure. to make sure they look in our big shows alita and i always end up having a conversation about like well the chorus member has to have a fancy do at the end mm-hmm. but they're a street sweeper so they can't have the fancy do so then we do a lot of well maybe they do have a hat in this scene to cover up <laughs> yeah. the thing later right That's because we don't want to see the fancy hairstyle or we give them a mob cap so they don't have to have the wig on until they do that change That's so interesting mm-hmm. And then sometimes they just have to have two wigs. Yes, right. sometimes. But <laughs> right. we try to avoid that with the chorus because it's a lot. It's just so many. Wigs it's a lot of wigs. Shows. Yeah, yeah. It how many? Um, how many chorus members? For those of you who don't know, if you say a big show, Boheme, whatever, or whatever, how many chorus members are there that year? Forty. Yeah. 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 And they have often at least two looks. Yeah. And so yeah. that's a lot of wigs if they have two wigs per yeah. show. And so, so you so the chorus, you're not putting wigs on the chorus members. Most maybe you had a fitting or so, but dress rehearsal, right? So uh-huh. for for those of us who don't know how much time is between that first dress rehearsal where you see them and opening night. So when you say you're fixing things and doing Correct. Logic. So that's we get what, what first, three three dress rehearsals yeah. typically yeah if we do a double cast we'll do four four right yeah yep. but when we do a double cast that means that two of the dress rehearsals are one cast mm-hmm. and two of them are the other cast so we only see the cast a let's say twice yeah 
um, when we do full dress rehearsals. And then we're dark, dark, quote unquote. That's a work day for us. Yep. Thursday <laughs> dark is for the performers. day that we're like, fix everything and yep. whatever. And then we open on Friday. So if we're doing four dress rehearsals, that Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, and Sunday are dress rehearsals. We're dark on Thursday, and then we open on Friday. So all of that, the very first time that Alita's seen all of those people, and our chorus often do their own makeup because we just don't have the time. And the, so she's also dealing with helping them do makeup in a way that's successful. So all of that all has to happen in four days, five days of time, essentially. It's a lot. There's a lot of hours that get smashed yeah. into that week for Alita's crew. That's nuts. So what is the craziest or coolest thing you've ever been involved in? There's always some wacky business. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's always fun stuff like that happens the like that on stage. from Chinarentula, their hair was really fun. Yeah. I thought, because I to Alita was totally. like, it needs to look really stupid and fun. Go. And yeah. so she did these like really great tall fake hair uh-huh. things and yeah. sticky outs and that, it flopped when they moved and it was so great and yeah, funny. It was really they were really funny. Um yeah, anything anytime there's anything wacky going on where we have, you know, stuff like that, fun stuff that that's going on stage is always I'm always excited about that kind of stuff. So to end, we're gonna do our fun trivia that we do. Um, so I'm gonna ask questions give answers and then cassie and alita are gonna see if they can beat each other so oh okay so oh okay so we're playing against each other i mean sort of we're not <laughs> keeping track at all there's no scoreboard or anything okay but it's you know afterwards it's sort of our studio artist pianist robert may have a scoreboard we do he not did mention <laughs> he did mention <laughs> keeping score so pressure's on but only a little bit <laughs> all right so here we go. Ancient Romans did used what to treat freckles? Donkey urine, ashes from snails, or nightingale feces? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> in case we didn't know, people back in the day used really weird, gross things. Oh, yes. For makeup and hair. Yes, they did. Um, wow. I don't, uh, I don't actually know that, but I, well, I'm good. Oh, I don't even know what to guess. I think, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm going with donkey urine. Okay. I was kind of going to go with ashes from snails. Okay. Just cause. Just, I don't know. I feel like ashes are often, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was trying to think of what would make a freckle like disappear disappear Mm -hmm. i don't know all right so true or false uh queen elizabeth thought lipstick brought on evil spirit Uh, i feel like i should know all these things (laughs) but i don't i Um, I had a lot of fun finding i know these particular i'm gonna go with true i think but uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, let's go with true. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like pictures of her imagery. She always had just like a little pointy mouth. So huh. yeah, let's go with yeah. Okay. That's true. Cool. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much for being with us, Alita. It's so nice to give everyone an insight. Like I said, people don't know that these things happen. Yep. You don't realize that that is not their hair and they didn't do it themselves. So yeah. thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you with yes. us. Lots of fun. Thanks for Yeah, thanks me. for joining, Alita. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, so it's fun. It's nice to be able to <laughs> do it with Cassie now too. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks, ladies. Yep. Thank you for joining us for our fifth episode of Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. Join us next month as we sit down with Elena Maniscalco, the prop supervisor at Arizona Opera. Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes is made possible by our lead digital sponsors for the 2021 season, Ron and Kay McDougall. This program is also part of the Arizona Opera Next Gen Initiative that encompasses a wide variety of programs that go beyond the opera stage to develop the next generation of opera artists, audiences, and philanthropists. To learn more about the programs that are part of Arizona Opera Next Gen, please visit azopera.org and click Next Gen Initiative. These programs are made possible through the support of Karen Fruin, Roma Witkoff, Jeanette J. Siegel, the Valentine Family Foundation, APS, and Jody Pelosi. This podcast is produced by its hosts with editing and music composition by Sean Mallow.